The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the ChairShot Radio Network, on TheChairShot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, June 28th, 2023. That's right, we are rounding out the month of June. This year is halfway over. I can't believe it. This is the podcast known as the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com and just about anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Remember, thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. I'm going to wrap around the room here like I always do and introduce this cast of characters uh, first, returning this week after a week, a week or two weeks, Jason. Was it two weeks you were on assignment? I don't, I don't even know. I, I, yeah, I get that's... lost these things. You know, I go so deep undercover on assignment that, you know, I get lost. Yeah, I so, but like I come back up this... for air and I'm here now. Well, you said on this show one time and you were absolutely correct. Time is a flat circle. Without right. any further ado, a man hailing from the Purple Haze in Cloud Nine, Bucky's tag team partner, destined to go through a barbershop window. Jason, sir, from assignment, welcome back. We missed you. Thank you, boys. It's good to be back. Yeah, I, I, Rob and I tried to hold things down last week, but, uh, you know. It's you did a, just fine. Yeah, well, we, we, we did our best. Yeah. And speaking of Rob, from the Rob the Genius podcast, the minister of truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob. How are you, sir? All right. I am in the midst of an enormous data project here. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that means we are headed back to the genius corner, if not this week, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Rob's always got the, got the facts and the figures and breaks the data down for us because I'm not smart enough to understand any of it. But Rob speaks to me in very simplified DJ language so that I can understand it and coming from the pod cave the man with the award-winning and holy beard i am dj i want to thank you all for joining us once again as we get ready to break down the world of professional wrestling and more specifically this week wwe we got a lot to talk about uh, i've got three different things first it is the 25th anniversary of the infamous undertaker mankind hell in a cell and uh, recently they had Mick Foley and uh, The Undertaker sit down and rewatch that match, talk about it. I have not seen that yet, so I'll be fair. But the three of us are going to collectively share our own insight on that match, our own thoughts on that match. Um, 
From there, we're going to talk a little bit of Vince McMahon stuff. Seems like Vince McMahon's thumbprint has now, according to the dirt sheets, been all over WWE programming again. We're going to break down the ridiculousness of that here in a little bit. And then we're going to wrap the whole thing up with Money in the Bank. The Money in the Bank premium live event is coming this Saturday. And actually, at the airing of this episode, it'll actually be tonight. So, or actually this afternoon, because they're airing early because they're over in the UK. So you may get to listen to us right before you transition into the uh, Money in the Bank premium live event. But let's kick it off, like I said, with the 25th anniversary of the uh, Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell match. And let's start with Jason. Jason, did you watch this one live or secondhand? This one I watched uh, probably months after it happened uh, on VHS. Um, it was taped off pay-per-view, but maybe maybe a couple of weeks after it happened. But uh, okay. that one, yeah. So Didn't I'm watch not this sure one live, no. where that fell in that time period fell in your fandom because um, I know you were still. We're talking 25 I, years ago. You were a kid. Yeah. yeah, I honestly can't remember either. I remember I got in like just before Sting became the Crow, and like, and that's where I was. So I don't know where that fell in the timeline. But I would still, when I, even when I wasn't, you know, full on watching Raw or Nitro or whatever, um, I would, you know, I'd watch a tape or two with my buddies, and I remember watching that uh, that whole show um, yeah. with one of my friends. Man, you kids don't understand tape trading. Like Rob, were, were you part no. of the tape trading? Um, circuit um not like any, i wasn't in any like any of like the circles or anything but i mean i recorded plenty of stuff and shared tapes with people just kind of locally yeah i i got into it a little bit uh my dad who is again as i talked before is the reason that i got into pro wrestling you know not only as a fan but as a later on as a wrestler he had a friend the first time i was ever exposed to like lucha libre wrestling was in the mid late 80s and a friend of his brought over a vhs and it had i believe i could be wrong and anybody who's a historian will correct me i want to say it may have been triple a and i remember watching this going and i was mesmerized by it so it was just you know interesting you know i was kind of part of the uh, the tape trading but all things notwithstanding we're not talking about tape trading here tonight i just thought it was a interesting little side road the so Rob, did you see the uh, the Hell in the Cell match like live, or was this again a secondhand thing? Oh no, it, it was live because uh, at that point, my cousin Alex and I we we went half on every pay per view every month for both companies. Nice. I mean, we we were going hard, man, <laughs> and, and yeah, because look, look, we were both kind of just out of college and you know we we're both still living at home and so we had disposable income and that's where a whole lot of it went to <laughs> yeah i had a group well thankfully i had a group of about it was anywhere between five to eight of us so we could split the cost so it wasn't quite as expensive as for other people but we we kind of did the same thing if you know mo we, we did every wwe slash wwf pay-per-view and we did most of the uh, the WCWs um, through the heyday years, so yeah. But this match is one of those things where it's one of those moments in wrestling history where you remember what you were doing oh, yeah. in that moment. And I remember it was me, Brian, and our friend Maurice. We're all sitting at Brian's house watching this when Mick Foley went off the top of that cage, and the three of us in unison in stereo holy shit 
And it was just one of those things, like, I had never seen this before in my life. And the first thing you think, obviously, is the guy okay? You know? But at the same time, you know, being and, – and I don't even think – because 25 years ago, we put this back in 98, I was just getting into the business at the time. So I didn't fully appreciate, as a worker, what went into that. I was watching it still as a fan. And as a fan, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. And it still to this day stands as that. But as as a worker, I now view it a bit differently than I did, you know, as a you know, 25 year old man. Uh, Rob, what was your what were your thoughts of it? You know, being I mean, there, you know, live watching it happen in real time. I mean, like we both just like froze up like what in the hell just happened? And. You know, because it happened so fast. Like, Foley climbed up the cage, and they start, you know, they threw some punches, and then Taker just hip-tossed him off the top of the cell. And it happened so fast. And then they started showing the replays over and over again. And and we were just, like, we were just trying to make sense of it. Like, like what in the hell just happened here? Like, was this an accident? Because um, at first we thought, well, maybe he just fell off the damn thing, right? And it wasn't, you know, he wasn't supposed to, but then they kept showing the replays and you saw Taker, you know, do the hip toss and chuck him over the side. And we were just like, oh my God, what, what, what is this? And so we thought they were going to stop the match. Like, so we thought, okay, well, they, okay, they meant to do that. And now they're just, then they're going to stop the match. This is some type of angle or something, right? And then I think, um, and then he gets up, and we're like, what in the hell? <laughs> um, and he goes back up there. And, you know, they start fighting on top of the cell. And then, you know, then Taker slams it on the roof, and then the roof gives. And at the time, we thought that was another planned thing also. But it turns out, from what I understand, that was not planned. No, if you listen yeah. to them tell the story, that spot was uh, was completely accidental. Yeah, and then so then he goes through the roof and lands in the ring, and we're just like, you know, again we're like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> and then you know, Terry Funk comes out there, and at that point we're like, okay, well then he's hurt. Well, he's he's obviously hurt anyway, but like he's he's hurt for real, for real, and they they just got to get him out of there, um, you know, because. I think at that point, him and Terry Funk had started like feuding with each other. They weren't teaming up anymore. So we were all just at that point. And so for, for Terry Funk, who in kayfabe was feuding with him at the time, to just come out there, then we kind of felt like, oh, this, this shit is real. Right. Because, you know, because Terry Funk did, he didn't give a damn about no kayfabe. He was running out there for his friend. Right. right? And um, so, you know, we just were like, you know, and just, we were just mesmerized by it all. And then they, you know, they start taking him out, and then he gets off the thing, and then we're and at that point. It's like, dude, you gotta be kidding me, <laughs> you know. And so you're kind of half in wonderment, and then at, at that point, I'm also kind of thinking, okay, whether this is planned or not or whatever, y'all need to stop this dude, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, y'all, somebody needs to stop this guy. Um, and then you know, so he goes back in there and. You know, and then they keep going, and then the thumbtacks, and then, you know, and, you know, at that point, I'm just, again, I'm 
partially just in just wonder at just everything that just happened and then at the same time it's like like oh my god like this man is crazy <laughs> he, he's really crazy like he's not this isn't this isn't an act <laughs> okay this man is really is crazy to be doing all of this and um you know and then they finally they finished the match you know and then he comes out there later and, and interferes in the main event yeah and then he was like like dude like please stop you listen to Rob. You listen to Rob talk, and I instantly think of Lethal Weapon One, where Detective Murtaugh looks at Riggs and he's like, "You just, you aren't just trying to collect psycho pension. You like, really you are, are crazy." crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like this isn't an act here. This is not an act. Like no, what on earth is going on here? And yeah, so um, but it was just you know and and. You know, I look back on it now and, you know, during that era with Foley in particular, it's just like, you know, I just feel like I, you know, like, you know what, man, we didn't ask you to do all that. <laughs> um, yeah. We really didn't. Um, I mean, it was exciting to watch and, you know, um, I will tip my cat to your willingness to, to your willingness to, you know, to go you know just go above and beyond but like you know we didn't like man we you know like like just but it was crazy yeah well and at that point he was giving us some great moments as mankind and i think you know and we can we can talk about this a little bit more at the towards the end of the segment but i think I, i think he probably still would have ascended without that and there, there's oh. probably some debate. Some people are probably going to argue what I just said, and that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah, it's it, like Rob said, we didn't ask for that. At the time, glad we got it. I want to get the perspective of someone who at the time was quite a bit younger. Uh, Jason, you would have been, what, about 14? Yeah, ish. Ish sure. when this happened. When mm-hmm. you finally saw it, because I'm sure you probably heard about it before you saw it. I did, yeah. Okay, so what was your reaction to watching it, like, as a kid? I I honestly just remember being like Rob and being like, this is, like, this man is insane. And and, because I know that, I knew that he gets up a couple of times and, you know, and there's some shit that happens. And I probably had heard the whole story and about what had happened. But it was still even, even still knowing it's coming... You're still just like, what is happening? Even now, if you watch the like, we're kind of desensitized to the throw, like the the clip of him going ass over tea kettle off the cage. Yeah. But if you sit there and watch that match in totality and watch the shit he does and the shit he gets up from and says, no, sir, thank you, sir, may I have another? Like, you're insane, bro. You are you are insane. Um, it was. I just remember utter disbelief. Um, even that young as a, as who like, I don't know. Still, I knew, I knew the deal, but I still viewed these folks as superheroes. You know, yeah. Um, I knew it was fixed, but it still was just like. But this was even beyond the pale for something like that. Right. You know, this was far beyond. So, uh, this match tops. 
or is near the top. When, the, when people throw the thing out on Twitter, you know, if you want to introduce somebody who doesn't watch wrestling to wrestling and try to get them to understand why you watch, this one is on my list of matches um, simply because of what Foley gave to us as fans. And, and again, like Rob said, and like I, you know, agreed with, we didn't ask for that, but he gave that because that's what these performers do. And Rob shared something, you know, and not to get too deep into the woods on AEW, we were talking about the, uh, the, the, the spot from the Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay match where he went for, what was it? The tiger bomb? Tiger driver. Tiger driver. Tiger driver. 91. Tiger yes. driver. 91. I don't know what 91 has to do with it, but whatever, pretty much dropped Omega on his head. And, you know, Daniel Bryan was talking about, like, you know, on some of these matches, sometimes you want to ride the line, you know, of, okay, is this real? Is it like you still want to suspend enough disbelief? I feel like as, even, you know, the cat's out of the bag as to what wrestling is. I, I appreciate when people suspend my disbelief just enough. And that's what Daniel's talking about here. And I'm sorry, Brian Danielson. Um, <laughs> sorry. 12 years of Daniel Bryan. I'm not going to call him Brian Danielson. A, just call him Brian. Call him Brian, whatever. But he's talking about that, and he's talking about riding the line. Well, Taker and 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 man and Foley went like way beyond riding the line here, you know. And to watch Foley go off the top of the cage, I'm still mesmerized by it. Like just the whole thing. And again, there's probably a certain amount of desensitization going on now, but I'm still mesmerized by just couple things that I question, okay? They, they say that they didn't plan it until they got to the top. But there's several very well-placed camera angles of Foley coming off the top of that cage. Yeah, I think that's I think that's, that's a little, um, yeah. <laughs> to me, that's a little suspicious. Yeah, like, at some uh, point, somebody in the back. So, I, 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 I'll play along. I'll play along, and maybe it was just a couple of really good camera guys catching it at just the right time. Yeah, maybe. But it just but. seems a little too convenient. This was, I'm not believe I'm not taking away from the the leap of faith that it was, but just I'm, I'm still in awe of it happening. But looking back at it as a as a worker, I would be less inclined to take the bump through the cage. When I look back at, you know, Foley going off the top of the cage, yes, it's 20 feet in the air. It's a long way down, and there's pretty much a table on the floor. And the table acts as a very mild buffer between him and the floor. <laughs> and I, I say mild, very mild. But he's still going forward. If you watch the throw, he's going forward. He rolls into it. He turns over. He flat back bumps. He hurt himself. He, I think he dislocated his shoulder. Um, it legitimately hurt or separated his shoulder or something at that point, legitimately hurt himself. But when I watch the bump from the top through the cage, through the, through the roof of the cage, and I watch him come crashing down at that mat, to me, that bump terrifies me. That's the one I have a hard time watching. Like just because if you've yeah. ever bumped in a ring, folks, that ring is not a trampoline. I never worked in a ring that had a spring underneath. Okay, it is wood and slats and more wood and a little thin piece of foam and some canvas and it hurts. Okay, it hurts like I was nervous taking superplexes. Okay, and at the highest, the superplex, I'm going to come down maybe six, maybe seven feet. Okay, to come almost 15 feet through the top of that cage and take a flat back bump 
and, and you're, you're basically just falling back and trusting that you don't land on your head, you know, hoping that you take yeah. the bump properly. And then again, he, I believe this one was a shoot. I don't think they anticipated the top of that cage breaking. Um, cause you know, Foley got bashed in the mouth with the chair on the way down too, which is what busted his, he was putting his tongue through his lip. Um, so uh, for Richard, me, Ant, I'm sorry, Calloway, uh, Calloway, I was just reading an article, uh, yeah. Pritchard taker and, and Mick all kind of support the story that yes, that part of the cage was supposed to break, but it was supposed to be could taker kicked it through and Foley was supposed to dangle from there and then let himself down and rotate and do a, like a back bumper or a front bump or whatever. Gotcha. Um, that was the plan. Right. And then it did not go that way because no. yes, it was strong. And uh, I don't know why no one thought about the fact that, Hey, if it's strong enough for taker to kick through it, maybe it 265 pound Foley or actually they were billing Foley at almost 300 pounds at that point. Weren't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And, yeah, you know, not probably. only just falling, but being thrown, thrust upon the 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 metal by one, the Undertaker. Right. Undertaker the, rather. Jeez. So, not, yeah. not the best plan, but... Go ahead, Rob. Um, so I'm just thinking, as, as, as a math nerd here, I was thinking about just the throw from the top of the cage. And... Yeah how precise that had to be to throw him at an angle from like 30 feet up in the air and throw him so that he would land square on the table. Okay. And, and that's, and square and flat. Yeah. And listen, like he was perfect on both axes. And understand, <laughs> okay. So when, when, when you're falling from gravity, every second you accelerate by like 22 miles an hour. Every yeah. second, every second that you're falling, and that's just from gravity. Okay. Yeah. So, if you're falling, he if, he if he fell for three seconds, then by the time he hit the table, he was going 66 miles an hour. That's insanity, man. Okay. Um, and yeah, and it's it may not look like it because it's a short distance, and you know, so he covered it pretty quickly, but. I mean, you know, relatively speaking, 30 feet, you know, 30 feet is a short distance. You know, um, it's not like falling off a sky, you know, a crane or something. But right. so he hit the table going 66 miles an hour. He's almost 300 pounds. And so and he had to be thrown at a precise angle because if you just move him. In any direction, just a little bit, he could have got his legs snapped off. He could have got decapitated. Um you know, if, if his head hit the table, but nothing else did. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, if he was going fast enough, his head would come clean off. I mean, it, what if he cleared it and he clipped it with nothing but his ankles? Yeah, yeah. And like so. Ugh. And that is just that is ridiculous. I mean, and I can almost guarantee you, if you were to ask, you know, Taker to replicate that throw, he'd probably look at you like, bro. <laughs> There's no way I can do that again. Yeah, that was a one in a million shot to yeah. get that right. Um, so, so I do have to interject here because this is my favorite alleged favorite part of the story. Um, because if you believe everything that none of that was pre-planned and they all just kind of did it, called did it in the ring. There, right? Called it in the ring. Then the story goes that Mick. Walked up to Taker at the edge and just said, toss me. 
And Taker looked at him like I believe he like head nodded towards the announce table like toss me. And Taker looked at him and asked, this is my favorite part of the story. Taker looked at him, looked at the table, asked him once, are you sure? And Mick (laughs) said, yep. And I don't know what Taker actually said, but basically said, okay, bye. (laughs) Well, I'm going to split the difference here. Um, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to think I think that. Yes, it was in general, it was planned, but maybe at the point in the match they were going to do it was not. Right. Well, because he had like you had just explained, he had just got up there. Yeah. Yeah, this was so, in the first so, five minutes of the match, I think. Yeah, it was in the first yeah, minute. And, and well, it so, was the first minute of the match, and like it's not like they did the brawl up the up there for five minutes. No, he thing. immediately like, went he up the side of the cage. His ass up there, and then went immediately right back down to the earth. So I'm guessing, yeah, his surprise so may have been like you want you want to do this it's now. It's been a while since I watched it, and I have one question about all this. All of these spots on top of each other being so, like, okay. Did the bell ring when they were trying to get him on the stretcher? No. No. I, so. uh, technically, I don't think That's, a Hell in a Cell match begins until both competitors are in the cell. So yeah. I don't think that match officially even started until so Foley went through the top of the cage. <laughs> and then the Undertaker climbed down in there with it. Yeah. Um, because okay. it reminds me, it was a, um, one of those old matches between the Midnight Express and the Fantastics. So they like they fought outside the ring for almost ten minutes, and then yeah. and then the bell went, and then they finally then they finally get the ring, and the bell rings, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. But I think honestly, I think the shock from Taker was probably was at the timing of it. Maybe not because not that they were doing it at all. Yeah. Because in yeah. 2023, that's a finish the match spot. That that's a go home spot in 2023. Not that anybody's going to do that in 2023, but that type of a spot is a go home spot. Yeah. That's that's the that's good night everybody. Yep. Yeah. Not, okay. This is where we're starting, and then <laughs> drive home safe. Yeah, and it was just it was just crazy, and then, like I said, he came back out and interfered in the main event. Main event, yeah. Insanity. The other thing that gets me, and at at no point was I ever asked to do this, and if at any point I was ever asked to do this, the answer would have been, no, there ain't enough hot dogs and handshakes in the world. I ain't bumping on thumbtacks, brother. Well, hell no. It's not happening. You can throw me off top of that cage again if you want. You know, I'm not bumping on fucking thumbtacks. You can punk me out if you want. You can call me every every name in the book. I'm not bumping on thumbtacks. John Moxley is thumbing his nose at you, sir. Well, John Moxley can go and cut himself up on Wednesday nights all he wants. I ain't bumping <laughs> on thumbtacks. All right. Uh, did you ever do it? Is there like a story behind this? What, bumping on like, thumbtacks? No. Hell no. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I'll tell you this. When Cliff was training us, one of the things that he told us, because he wouldn't even let us, like I was never caught taught to cut. Like he never yeah. like he did it on his show. Sometimes there were other guys on the show that did it once in a while. He wouldn't even teach me and Eddie. He looked at both of us. He said, "No, you guys are going to get over on fucking talent." He's like you're not going to be yeah. out here cutting yourselves up on my show. And then he'd go out on his own show and cut himself up. 
I think he just didn't want us to get over with the blood because he was going to do it on his end. And I remember one time uh, Eddie was wrestling uh, this kid. It was at a, they did it at a ballpark. And um, Eddie, they, he went for the stinger splash. And the spot was he, he whipped this kid into the corner. And he said, you know, I'm going for the splash move when he called the spot. The kid moved, he did the spot, and he posted himself. And when he posted himself, he actually posted his forehead and, and busted himself open hard way in the match. And he got back to the back, and Cliff was pissed at him because Cliff was planning on bleeding in the main event. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there, there's a, there's some of that going on. But, yeah, Cliff wouldn't even teach us how to bleed, let alone – because Cliff really – you've got to understand, I trained at a time when the hardcore wrestling really was – they thumbed their nose up at it. Like a lot of the traditional guys that I trained under and worked with, the, 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 the basic thought was, you know, they do the hardcore shit because they don't know how to work. Right. And that was basically their mentality. Because we joked one time about going, you know, learning enough and then going to ECW because ECW was, for what they were doing, white hot at the time. And uh, Blackheart Dave Johnson looked at it and said, yeah, you can go to ECW if you want your career to end before it starts. And wow. that was his that was his 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 thoughts on it, you know, because he just wasn't into like he could do the hardcore stuff, and once in a while he would have like a no holds barred match, but yeah, when we were there, they they largely frowned upon that kind of stuff. When I was trained, the guys I trained with. Oh man, because look, I'm oh. thinking now of that uh that New Jack documentary where he he zapped the guy with the taser there on the <laughs> scaffold, and yeah. the, the guy said, "I can't feel my legs," and then. According to New Jack, he's like, well, you're not going to need him. Bombs away and then toss him off the scaffold. Tossed him. Oh, my God. I, that's Jeez. another dude. I, I couldn't I couldn't have wrestled. I couldn't have worked New Jack. <laughs> and not that Cliff ever would have booked me to work New Jack. But <laughs> right. just at the time, hearing what I heard about him, there was no way in hell. I said, no, thank you. I, I don't you're need this payday. To, you're just in there to survive at that point. Pretty much. So... So, yeah, happy 25th anniversary to just one of those matches, man. Like I said, that that match where you remember where you were, what you were doing, and what you were feeling in that moment. Uh, kudos to two absolute legends for putting out something timeless. I mean, you know, we can debate the, the merits of, you know, the, the violence all day long, and I don't think we need to do that on this, on this podcast, but... Yeah, it's absolutely a timeless piece of wrestling history. And let me just say, it's it's not either one of their fault that people did bad imitations of it for years and years later. That okay, yeah, that we can we can talk about for a minute because it, that that is one downside of that match is that it influenced a lot of bad stuff. A lot of bad copycat stuff came after that match. Yeah, and but I would say, look, it's not their fault. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. I just, you know, unfortunately, you know, where we people emulate what they emulate. I mean, we see it now in, in today's current product. Guys still holding on to stuff that they enjoyed when they were kids and stuff that they popped for when they were kids. And they're still trying to emulate it. And, you know, it's it's just it is what it is. It's like a, a bad cover band. Yeah. So. Let's let's talk some Vince McMahon. We haven't talked Vince McMahon in a while. Well, uh, yeah. uh, Vincente McMahon. Yes. Vincente. Vincente. El Presidente. <laughs> El Presidente. De El Presidente. WWE. <laughs> El Presidente de WWE. 
Because uh, the, the, the heavy breathers are added again. All, because everything that we're about to say is sheets, nonsense, and conjecture, and who knows what, who knows. The, the yeah. dirtiest of the dirt are out there because, you know, for the last few weeks, the reports are Vince McMahon is backstage. Vince McMahon rewrote this segment. Vince McMahon rewrote half the show. Vince McMahon's fingerprint is all over this week's episode of Raw, all over this week's episode of SmackDown. And the funny part of that is, in my timeline and from most of what I can see, Raw and SmackDown have been pretty friggin' good for the last several weeks. So are we terrified that Vince may actually be having some creative input? Or are we finally ready to admit that maybe the old man, if he's even behind it at all, actually knows what he's doing? Well, okay. It, we it doesn't very matter. Short on this part. Well, okay, that's the most important part. Because yep. we have to be very short on this this one. Yes, the dude knows what he's doing more often than not. You can't watch this company for the last 30-some-odd years and say, oh, no, the guy doesn't know what he's doing. He has no idea. Well, you're wrong. You're just wrong, period. End of story. He, he knows enough to keep this place going. Am I, tell, am I telling you the WWE has been the most popular thing in the world all 30 of those years? No, I am not. But he's doing fine. Regardless, who the hell cares? We we don't actually care that much, aside from mild curiosity, like who booked what. Because in the end, either it gets a, wow, let's talk about this segment for 30 minutes on the Mindless, Music, uh, Mindless Wrestling Podcast, or he gets a, this is shit from Rob, and we move on. <laughs> we don't need to we don't need to like oh well i mean vince i just saw one person being like i you know i think vince booked this people are saying vince booked this segment and if this is his choice with that character i can't even remember who they were talking about then i guess vince was right it's like who cares why put yourself through these mental gymnastics where you have to admit that a guy you don't like was right about someone you don't know when you have no idea if he actually is right about that person? Like, what are we doing? That's what I got. Okay, because I got no. To me, it, it last Friday. Okay, last Friday, our, our friend, uh, Mr. Sapp. Oh, Jesus. He tweeted out last Friday that SmackDown has been vinced. Vinced. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And <clears throat> and now basically what happens on Friday, they had there was there were a bunch of matches that have been announced that got changed or just got replaced. Didn't that, Becky that, or didn't Bailey have a match that got um, Bailey was yeah, Bailey was supposed to wrestle with Shotzi that got scrapped and we got Charlotte and Lacey Evans. And then that's a choice. Supposed, and <laughs> nothing well, against you know, Charlotte, nothing against Charlotte, but I, it's well, the other half of that match. That's, well, you yeah. know, but you know what? They did, they did a very smart thing. And then Charlotte, thank you for, for once. You did not insist on having a 10 minute match with somebody. You shouldn't be in the ring 10 minutes with, and they kept it short. And she basically squashed with H.G. Evans in like two minutes. Um, okay. But um, and then I think uh, there were, oh, there was, well, there was supposed to be a triple threat. It was supposed to be like Ellie Knight and 
Santos and Butch, and that just ended up being LA Knight against Rey Mysterio. And so here's okay. my okay, that's still so, a good match. Okay, but here's the thing though, because people have been complaining that LA Knight loses all the time. So SmackDown gets vinced, and LA Knight beats Rey Mysterio clean as a whistle. So yeah. are y'all still mad that it got vinced? Since you got something you've been wanting for a long time, yeah. <clears throat> still also, mad? like, here you go. You can stop caring because it stop ex- stops exposing what you know fucking hypocrites you are. Stop caring well, about like, oh man, this show got vinced because then you're gonna in two hours you have to talk about how good the show was. Don't do right. that. Well, let's build upon that hypocrisy and take uh, Finn Balor versus NXT champion Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes got a big opportunity Monday night to showcase what he can do against a the arguably the number one heel on Raw. You know, well, yes, two time former he's NXT number champion. Huh? Number one contender. Yeah. Yeah, he's literally the number one contender to the, I guess, face Seth Rollins. Right. Uh, so yeah, he's the number one bad guy this month on Raw. So yeah, he's he's the he's the number one heel on Raw right now. Two-time former NXT champion, former Universal champion, Finn Balor, okay? It's not like Drew Gulak, okay? It's not like Carmelo Hayes came out here and wrestled Drew Gulak. He wrestled Finn fucking Balor, and he lost. And people were absolutely – people were up in arms about his his debut on the main roster and how that was going to look. And I'm looking at him like these are the same people who five years ago – Five years ago, we're pissing and moaning because Finn Balor never wins a match. Now Finn Balor wins a match, and it's a problem. It's like it's almost like this is cyclical. Like in in five years, you know, we're going to be mad because Carmelo Hayes wins a match. Is this where we're going to be? You know, Carmelo Hayes is going to beat I don't know the next up and coming kid coming up from NXT, and we're going to say that this kid. Hey, let's very- just take. Let's just take uh, what's his name, Idris Sanofi. Okay, in five years, Idris Anofi comes up to the main roster, wrestles Carmelo Hayes, and loses. Are we now going to be pissed that Carmelo Hayes won a match? I mean, this is the cycle that keeps repeating itself with these people. Every five to seven years, we need to put over new talent. You know, we need to put over new talent. Finn Balor was the new talent. You wanted him to be put over. You wanted him to be in a top spot. Now he's in a top spot, and you're pissing and moaning because he's winning. And here's a big thing that... Y'all and you people and the people who are watching this show while tweeting about it need to understand. That's a lot of the majority of the Monday Night Raw audience. I will I will even go so far as the vast, not nah, maybe majority. No, it was, it's NXT, at least two NXT's thirds. on cable now. So. It's at least two thirds. Yeah, so two thirds of the, uh, that's the first time or second time they're seeing Carmelo Hayes ever. If that dude comes out of light out of nowhere, I don't care what what belt he has because as far as they, this two thirds audience is concerned, he's carrying a junior varsity uh, jacket. So if that dude comes out of the clear blue sky and beats the number one contender on the number one contender's way to you know a <laughs> match, well, what are we doing here? Now we right. have to almost add Carmelo to the match because he's the NXT champion who just beat the number one contender for the WWE Cha- World Heavyweight Championship. What that's are we bo- doing? That's your boy Raj complaining about that, Rob. Yeah, and look, oh, and he's I have, all I have, yours. Raj have, is all I have, yours. I have a bit of history here. 
have, I have, a his, I have a historical fact here for you guys. Okay. Okay. On December 11th, 2014, there was NXT TakeOver Revolution. On that card, the NXT Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, defeated Sasha Banks. Now, what's, what's significant here? Three days prior to that, on Monday Night Raw, the NXT Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, was tapped out clean by Natalia. Okay. I think it ended up all right for Charlotte. Yeah. You know, talent is going to rise. And again, the, it, well, way back then, I mean, that was the first time anyone was seeing Charlotte, like, of the yes. Raw audience. Like, forget about... You know, because that exactly. was when back when NXT was just on the network. Yeah, NXT was so, a baby show compared to what so it is all now. They saw, so all they saw was Bret Hart's daughter. I mean, nephew. Niece. Or niece, niece. whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the first da- the first time I said daughter was a, a, a work. But anyway, yeah, they saw Bret Hart and Ric Flair going at it, basically. And, you know, to the average Joe. They're like, oh, this is the next generation. Awesome. And wow. Brett and the heart, the heart member won that match as well. Yes, if, right. if memory serves me correctly, it may have won that match. And so, yeah, and so basically, that happened three nights before an NXT takeover. Okay, so three nights before a big match in that woman's career, she went out on national TV and got tapped out clean in front of the largest audience she had ever wrestled in front of. Right. So I, it just comes back to, you, you watch the hyperbole, you watch all the just the moaning and groaning. Oh, well, that tells us what Vince thinks about Carmelo and, oh, he got Vince. Look, and <clears throat> look, you guys are going to have to either let, after almost 40 years of watching this shit, let me give you guys some fatherly <laughs> advice. Just watch the goddamn show. Okay, because Vince owns it. It's his company for as long as he desires to own it or until he dies in Gorilla. He's going to be a part of this show, except that fact. He is creatively going to come. He's going to contribute something to the programming for as long as he is physically able to. Accept that now. Or renounce your fandom. Go watch the Wednesday night show. Go watch the, what the Thursday night show is doing. I, Impact's on Thursday now, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Watch the Wednesday and Thursday shows. If if you're that up in arms, if you're belly aching that much about the owner of a company showing up to work and doing what he does, you're watching the wrong damn show. Yeah, and guys, I'm sorry. Like, yes. Vince McMahon escapes again. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. He's he, he he's he's unkillable. He is a mummy. He is a lich. He is whatever. He's Voldemort, and we have he's no idea. Mumra, where, he's Mumra, is what he is. Right, yes. and we have no idea where this dude's Horcruxes are, and one of them is probably like Roman Reigns. So, man, we are screwed. Okay, yes. This merger with Endeavor is basically, you know, it sounds like it's shot up any chance that we have of removing this dude. Um, maybe something happens in the future. But, like, it really, again, after 40-some-odd years, you're still beating that drum. I'm sorry. It's time to get up, give up and get a new hobby. And I'm not saying that out of, like, leave the old man alone. I'm saying that out of, like, 
No, the guy deserves, again, I've, I've gone record on this program. The dude probably deserves to be in prison 40 times over. But this is, welcome to America. And guys, oh. you'll feel a lot better, feel a lot better if you support those nice, squeaky clean folks in Jacksonville and those beautifully wonderful, not carny at all folks at wherever Impact's taping this week. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead, Robin, and I've got a thought. Okay, because listen, okay. Vince McMahon, if if he were incarcerated, he would be on the prison phone calling in changes yeah. to Raw and SmackDown, okay? <laughs> Every Get McDevitt on the phone! He'd slide okay. a show, show seat sheet to somebody and be like, there's your Raw, pal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, that, so he forget it, okay? That, that's what it is. Like yeah. he owns the company. And <clears throat> um, I don't know where some of y'all got this idea where people who own companies suddenly just don't get involved. Um, because the internet has freaking poisoned the well. Like I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to predict, preach that Vince McMahon is some saint. Okay, as a person, as a human, work aside, he's problematic, and that's being generous. Yes. Okay, sure. that's being generous. He's problematic. Has he booked every single little minutia of a wrestling show that I have ever watched to perfection? Absolutely not. But like Jason said earlier. He damn sure hits a lot more often than he misses. And like Rob has said on this show before, for everything that Vince McMahon has ever booked that you hated, he has booked shit that you have loved. The shit we were just talking about 15 minutes ago came to us under Vince McMahon's watch. Now, whether he actually approved of the match or not, whether he signed off on any of it or not, he still put that up on his programming. He allowed those two guys to go out there and do what they did. I can give you a list of names who, quote-unquote, got vinced. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin got vinced all to hell. The Rock got vinced all to hell. Kurt Angle, vinced all to hell. Okay? I can keep going for another 30 minutes. I'm not going to because I don't think I need to prove that point. When it comes to the wrestling business, the man knows what he's doing. You're not going to like, and I, I did the math one day, it's like, Almost 600 hours of wrestling programming every year the WWE produces between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. That's not even including main event and what other little side projects they got going on. The product itself is over 500 hours. There are TV shows that go on for years that cumulatively do not have 500 hours worth of programming. Cumulatively. Okay? If you book half of that, and half of it is really good. That's a win. And I promise you, WWE is doing better than 50%. They are playing better than 500 ball with their programming. Yes. And by the way, so oh, Law & Order SVU has been on like 23 seasons, 22 episodes a season. That's 500 episodes total. Over At an hour an episode, an that hour is 500 hours worth of programming in 23 years. Okay, WWE puts that out every calendar year. Not to mention how many takes did they get? Yes, it's not live. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much because probably 90% of it is live TV. Yeah. You know? All your favorite moments were probably live. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like, okay, what's your favorite moment? Even mine. Shit. Like, even mine, which, you know, with the recent Tribal Chief stuff, I might have a chance of being like, not, hey, no, that wasn't Vince. 
But no, my favorite moment is still him fucking smashing Dedge in the head with a chair, laying him atop Daniel Bryan's dead body, and fucking getting those guys up out of here at the same time. And yeah, pretty sure Vince booked that one. Ran D. Bryan right out of the territory, didn't he? Sure did. Right out of the territory, man. <laughs> anyway, you guys have got to take a deep breath. Remember why you started watching this shit to begin with. You didn't care. Back in the 80s, I didn't even know Vince McMahon was in charge of WWE. And I didn't care who booked it. I didn't care who wrote the angles. Did I get mad when my favorites lost? Absolutely. I got mad every time Brutus Beefcake didn't beat the Honky Tonk Man. I got pissed as all hell when the Ultimate Warrior lost the Intercontinental Championship to Ravishing Rick Rude. I was hanging from the ceiling pissed when Earl Hebner came out and they had the twin Hebner things when Hulk Hogan quote-unquote lost the WWF World Heavyweight Championship to Andre Andre the Giant on Saturday night's main event. I was swinging from the mat, rafters mat over that. Okay? I didn't sit there and wonder who booked this shit. I didn't sit there and go, well, who wrote this storyline? I'm like, okay, my guy lost. This sucks. How's he going to rally? How's he going to recover? you got to watch this shit like you watch any other TV show. We don't sit here and watch Law & Order SVU and go, geez, who wrote that episode? That sucked. <laughs> you know? Right, we don't exactly. care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I mean, it does. It happens with like certain things, but it, it more happens in shows where people write dialogue. Like, it's like, okay, you can tell a certain writer wrote that show just because of the way it's structured and certain things. Like, I right. can I can tell the difference between certain, certain people have their signatures. But in live television where you're just telling people, yes, yeah, stand on Mark 1, tell him you want to beat him up, you respond to him in any whatever, yeah, and then you punch him, you come out with the chair, got it, and then you hit your pyro, you hit your music and do this. There's no, like... Write it room for writer's nuance where you can be like, oh, okay, this is a, you know, it's it's just very interesting that, yeah, some things you can happen and you can be like, yeah, that's more of a Vince thing, I guess. But even still, what do we know, really? All bookers are like that. There's a reason there's a thing out there called a dusty finish. Yeah. Right. You know, because it's it was Dusty's signature thing. You know, yeah. and it, it, does that mean that that protect person got every, dusty? I mean, I... And- I mean, I guess they got dusty. Maybe. I I don't know. It's so it's just a very odd thing to complain about. And even not even to complain about like you. I'm not saying if an episode of Raw sucked. Let them know. Hey, this episode sucked. Okay, but let's don't sit here and try and break it down to, oh, well, it sucked because of Vince. It sucked because of that. Maybe it sucked just because it didn't hit with you. Yeah. It's not the writer's fault. It's not the booker's fault. It's not the worker's fault. It's just something they did didn't hit with you. And mm-hmm. and look, look, you know what? Every TV show has episodes that suck. 
Yeah. Every, okay. Every t- okay. There are look. I I have been a faithful Law and Order SVU watcher for several years, and even then, the, there are episodes of that show. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> even though recently, I watched Andor, and I will tell you straight up, I loved Andor. I'll be dead ass honest with you. I struggled through the first two episodes. Mm. First two episodes, I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it to the end of this. Thankfully, I held on to it, and because yeah. the payoff was amazing. But you know, there were definitely times during that that I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it here. <laughs> now, see, I was just the opposite of Andor. For me, like after the prison break, I was emotionally spent, and I, I couldn't tell you what happened after that. Really? Now, see, yeah. I thought it picked up about right about there is where yeah, it that's... really kicked into high gear for me, and it for me it closed out on a bang. Yeah, unless the entire point of the show uh, movie whatever is a prison break i hate a prison break like episode or yeah. whatever i don't know why it's just one of those tropes that i've always hated okay even worse in video games by the way you ever put me in a prison break thing in a video game where you take all my gear away that i've worked 20 hours to get i will <laughs> find you and i will I, I, I can have we could have a whole discussion another day about that because i am currently running through that with skyrim right now and I'm so pissed Whoa, off nice. about it. And I think it's actually a glitch in the game. <laughs> so, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. The game cheating. The yeah. game's cheating. <laughs> the game's yeah, the cheating. Game's it's cheating game. me, Rob. <laughs> the game is cheating. I was that guy, man. I was that type of gamer. The game cheats. Yeah, it's actually, it's I, to be glitch. fair, I'm actually doing that with Diablo 4 right now, too. I sound like such a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, DJ, when you actually in Skyrim, when you walk to walk over to a child, punch them in the head, and then a guard comes over and like takes you to prison, that's not a glitch, man. That's just actions and consequences. <laughs> no, no, I'm on this mission. Okay, I, we'll we'll take a break from the wrestling for a minute. I'm on this mission, this quest where I have to. I'm I'm trying to find the dragon's voice or whatever it is, and so Shout I go to this um dinner party incognito, and the person that sends me. I hand my gear over to them because I'm going incognito. I can't go all geared up, right? They gave me a costume. I got to go to this thing. I'm supposed to gather my gear in a trunk when I get there, and my gear is not in the trunk. Okay? And I looked this up online, like, where the hell is my gear? And like, yeah, it's a glitch of the game. Sometimes the gear isn't there. I'm like, what the hell is that? And the worst part of it is, is I can't get out of the quest. Like, I'm in a situation where I just can't leave and because it's an open-world game, but I'm stuck in this quest, and I cannot get anywhere, and I'm ending up in this confrontation and trying to fight these people who are destroying me. Huh? Do you have any magic? Oh, you probably don't have any magic at this point. Not a whole lot. Not enough to really matter. So, so yeah, that's what I say. I'm stuck in a jailbreak-type situation with no gear. That's what I mean. Terrible. Terrible. (laughs) It's awful. And, again, I turn into a screaming five-year-old. (laughs) <laughs> well i think that's enough writer's talk we can move on to our yeah list. we can move on let's get it let's get the real meat and potatoes of this what we really came to talk about the uh wwe money in the bank premium live event we have had mixed emotions as to whether or not we think the money in the bank uh as a concept needs to be retired but whether we think it should or not we're getting another one we're getting one today at the date of this podcast airing um Let's get into the card here. Jason's going to take over and run down the card. Yes, we can just kind of give our predictions and uh, 
you know, maybe maybe talk about some things a little bit. We don't have to get too deep in the woods here. First of all, it's going to be hailing from the uh, O2 Arena in London, England. So that's going to be cool because it's going to be gone at, I believe, like, what, 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. So God bless it. God bless you, Brits. God bless you, UK wrestling fans. God bless you. I love you. Thank you, you so much. You do a little bit of day drinking and watch your WWE oh. premium live event? Yes. Oh, it's, it, oh, it's once, it, once it hits your lips. It's so good. Jeff's it kiss. Yes. Jeff's kiss, man. Um, so, yeah, from the O2 Arena, we have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and we're going to kick things off, and we're going to get right down the card because they are starting. Well, one of the matches we're going to lead off with is the, many, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match for a men's championship contract. So, side note, so they really are leaning into the you can – Go for any championship thing, huh? Yeah, I, I don't think to, they're limiting but... it to the Universal or the uh, World Heavyweight. Well, yeah. I mean, Theory eventually cashed his his in on, uh, what's his name, for the United States. So, yep. And now they're keeping that, apparently. Just to, I mean, that's probably just, you know, it, it does give you more tools in the tool belt. I, I would appreciate it if, in a few years, if they keep this, if we still skew heavily world champion that they went for. But if you give me a reason, you know, like Austin Theory got psyched out by Bob and a couple of people. So he, you know, he changed his course. Um, so give me a reason. That's all I care about. But in any case, the match is Ricochet versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus LA Knight versus Santos Escobar versus Butch versus Damian Priest versus Logan Paul. So, Rob, who do you have winning the men's money in the bank briefcase? Okay, I got. Um, okay, I think this goes one of three ways. Jeez, oh, that's that's half the people in the match. That's not very like committed. <laughs> okay, well, committed. all right, all right. Um, either, you gotta at least have, give me your favorite first. Favorite? How about yeah. how about we do? Want, want, who do you want to win? Who do you think is gonna win? Well, I want Logan Paul to win. Just okay. Yeah, just, I do too. I want Logan Paul to yes. win. Um, who do I think is going to win? I think either him or Damian Priest. Because yeah. they've teased some tension between Priest and Finn Balor. And so introducing the briefcase into that, where Balor is trying to win the title in the ring and Priest has the briefcase, there's all types of tomfoolery and hijinks that can ensue out of that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, um, I think it's either Logan Paul or Damian Priest. All right, DJ? Oh, man, I this is a tough one because I... I think Logan Paul is going to win. Who do I want to win? It's a toss-up between Damian Priest and Ricochet. I think Ricochet is way past due them giving him something to do, like meaningful something to do. And I'm interested to see what a a money-in-the-bank run with Ricochet looks like. That being said, Damian Priest is the way to go. Again, you, you, this this guy's a main event player. He's proven that over the last few months. The guy has been an absolute workhorse. He's been a unit in that ring and on TV for months. Damian Priest is due. Priest is my is my pick too. He's my want. Well, my want is really Logan Paul, just because the you know the nerds will be so mad. And frankly, oh god, that'll be delicious. Help. Yes. He'll be awesome. And please, with that briefcase, like hanging around, shit talking Roman, shit talking Seth, 
He'll, you know, he'll go down to NXT and she will be the biggest Hello. pain in the ass with that thing. And it'll be oh, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be awesome. But uh, I agree with you guys. I think Damian Priest, um, because uh, I think a lot of the other guys, I don't know. I don't see a crazy payoff to anybody winning, anybody else winning. Like Everybody Ricochet, keeps no saying. One, none of these yeah. guys are winning a world championship, except right. for maybe Priest taking it off of Balor or Seth to add to that tension. Let's let's but, talk LA Knight for a second because the word on a lot of people's lips on my timeline is LA Knight, LA Knight, LA Knight. And I think LA Knight's yeah. awesome. I think the guy has gotten over. I think WWE knows exactly what they've got in him. I, I think his his age is a question. He's 40, maybe 41 now. So the, his age may be somewhat of a factor, but he's obviously still very athletic. He can talk, he can go. I don't think he needs the money in the like. It, it adds the money in the bank briefcase. When I look at his trajectory, adds zero value. At least with Damian Priest, you can use that as a plot point between him and Finn Balor. You know, so there's there's a logical storyline reason for Damian Priest. I, I see no value in for LA Knight and him winning this. I enjoy the idea of money in the bank briefcase holder LA Knight and. Same world champion or United States champion or whatever champion LA Knight. I enjoy that idea as well. We do not need the money in the bank briefcase as a device to get LA Knight to talk better or more. That is exactly my point. And that dude does not need a, a championship to, to like validate him or anything like that. Cause yeah. as I was explaining, my wife wanted LA wants LA Knight to win. She wants LA Knight to win, and she wants LA Knight to cash in on on her boy Seth Rollins. So she's just she's waiting to stab people stab people in the back. So makes me think. <laughs> but in any case, I just was like I was like he's not a main event guy, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I mean that is okay. Me, Damian Priest. Uh, well, excuse me. Uh, but LA Knight, you know, becomes Money in the Bank uh, holder. Fun. Holds on to it for a few months, talks some shit, has a great time, cashes in, become world, becomes world champion. Well, now LA Knight can't be in a nonsense segment with Otis at 8:15. Well, now LA Knight can't be in your throwaway segment at 9:58 and try to save it. Well, now LA Knight can't do this. Well, now LA Knight can't do that. LA Knight's on the go home segment. LA Knight's at the end of the show. LA Knight opens the show. LA Knight does this. It puts him in a box that. Unless you just sort of have a very short run, obviously anybody, any of these guys could be champion for a short amount of time. You know, I wouldn't lose sleep over it. But I think you're maximizing LA Knight exactly where he is because you can maneuver him any which way you need to. I agree with that. Thank you. So, uh, anybody else got anything on the men's Money in the Bank briefcase match? Um. Well. And uh, I think, well, I well, crazy as it sounds, I'm actually this part. This is like the most match I'm the most interested in on the show. Just um, as much okay. as as much as I if I have trashed the, the men's money in the bank briefcase, um, <laughs> just well, I guess because honestly, because they're just there's some you know like the stuff, the possibilities I mentioned, I think are there's something intriguing that could possibly come out of it. Like last year, there was they had nothing on deck. 
for whoever won the men's briefcase last year. Yeah. And and it was just and then you know and then Austin Theory winning it felt like almost like a rib, you know. Um, yep. Well, and then so, how he held it and how he like almost sort of cashed in and then didn't a couple of times and like it almost it almost came across that not only did he not know what he they, he was doing. Nobody knew what they were doing with that damn briefcase. Yeah, I mean, it really felt like last year. It's like, well, somebody's got to win it, you know. Um, I mean, they should have just ripped the bandaid off and cashed it in on on Roman that night and lost that night. Yeah, yeah. Um, just ripped the bandaid off. So this year, like, there's a, there's a chance to do something with it. Um, and look, as far as the other guys in that match, look, I'm convinced Shinsuke is just in that match because they just want the audio of everybody in that stadium singing along to his entrance music. Probably. <laughs> and yep. I really think that's the only reason he's there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's going to look great on the DVD. That's going to sound great on the DVD. Yeah, and that's, you know. I mean, and, I think- and the Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, res- retrospective in 10 years. When WWE owns all the New Japan footage too, you know, it's gonna be and that that'll be like the ending segment, you know, it'll be like Shinsuke Nakamura walking out, you know, to ten million people singing his song. And Beautiful. it'll be, it'll be taken out of context. It'll, it'll look like he came out. Oh yeah. It looked like he came out at WrestleMania or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got news for you. If WWE ends up with the New Japan Library, that'll be the end of Tony Khan. That dude will have a stroke oh, and a seizure at the same time, and be it. and he just he'll clock out. That dude, that dude, if 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 Triple H somehow scoops the relationship and everything with with New Japan out from under Tony Khan, there Tony Khan might just walk into his office in Jacksonville and not come out. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, oh. yeah. But, yeah, I'm a, Wait, but, like, did you see that guy Cody Rhodes in the Fight Forever game? Did you oh see yeah, that that's I, that may have been a contractual obligation. I'm not oh, gonna. I think it's hilarious. It's but thousand yeah. percent was a contractual obligation because you know how long we've known Cody Rhodes is going to be in that game? Like five years. No, about two weeks. Oh, they didn't show hide nor hair of him. They didn't use him in any of the promo material. He wasn't listed in any of the characters that were coming that were going to be in there. And then now he's just like in a few little snippet shots that I've seen. And I've seen obviously the model. And wow, it looks it looks like a Ukes game. I mean, it's fine. But yeah. Definitely does not look good for current gen. But hilarious. All uh, right. What's up now? What's next? Let's move on. Sorry. Cody Rhodes in two different games. That's what's going on. But speaking of that, uh, we have his matchup at Money in the Bank. We have Cody Rhodes, and I'm sure this is going to be the match of the night. This is going at least 30. We are going to see false finishes. We are going to see some good old-fashioned chain wrestling because we have the one American Nightmare versus the son of a luchador, Dominic Mysterio. So I think this is on, I mean, we all know what we're doing here, right? We're all going to bring these big return. That's what's happening here. Um, I think Brandy comes back at this show um, because the UK audience will be plugged in, is plugged in enough to know, you know, who she is and what's what's going on and all that good stuff. Do um, not put t- her on an open mic. Uh, no, we had Pharaoh last week or this week. So next week we'll get the whole family by the end of the week. Um, we'll get Brandy in there to equal the uh, equal the playing field against Rhea. 
Although if I get to see Rhea ragdoll Brandy around a little bit, it might be worth the worth the worth the price of it all. Although I'm sorry, it's hilarious that they spent however the fuck long in AEW being not the world champion and like I don't know exactly what you do here, Brandy, like managing a group one week and then whatever. Um, and then flash forward a couple of years. Cody Rhodes is in the main event with Rome with Roman goddamn Reigns at WrestleMania. And then in her first second on WWE television, they are going to excuse me, put Brandy Rhodes on equal footing with Rhea the Eradicator Ripley. That's going to be. That's amazing. Tony Khan had those guys for like five some odd years, and he couldn't squeeze the all the orange out of that or the juice out of that orange. Oh, that, that's that's going to make some people mad, boy. Let me tell you. Oh, but dude, the two thirds audience, the audience that isn't online that just knows Cody's wife is kind of used to wrestle, and she, you know, and she's coming to save him. That audience is going to eat that shit up. Yep. Oh yeah. And she's good enough. She's not going to embarrass herself, obviously. She's good. You know, she'll know exactly. And Rhea's awesome. And everybody else in the match is awesome. She'll look great. Everybody will look great. It's going to be awesome. So that's my big prediction, though. For uh, <laughs> That's your prediction. Awesome. Everything is awesome. No, no. My prediction is Cody wins because Rhea equals the play. Uh, or excuse me. Um, yeah, Cody wins because Br- Brandy equals the playing field against Rhea. DJ, what do you got? Dom Dom wins. Really? I, I, I'm booking this again. This is the Cody Rhodes story we're telling here. The <laughs> Cody, Cody Rhodes story is built on adversity and overcoming the hill. Somehow, by hook or by crook, the younger Mysterio takes this match. Does Rhea interfere or does Dom just do hook or crook? Oh, no, there's a Rhea interference. Absolutely. Dom, Dom's a classic heel, and we got to give this kid his flowers. He is oh, knocking dude. this out of the park right now. And for so many people online complaining about how this is a step back for Cody Rhodes, guys, you have not been paying attention to what Dominic Mysterio is doing out there. Don't just pay attention to what you see on TV. Look at the stuff that they're doing at house shows, um, all the little snippets. that This kid is killing it right now. And if you'd have asked me a year ago, that would not be my sentiment on Dominic Mysterio. That's how far I've turned the corner with this kid. Also, tell me with a straight face that Cody Rhodes is not having a ball every single week. I Cody Rhodes exactly. is loving every minute of this career run. Exactly. He's eating this shit up because like, he, he knows this is just a little side road for him. And he's having a blast with it. He's loving the like the the riffing with Dom and like teasing Dom and like the riffing with Rhea and all that stuff. He's eating it up. So yeah, yep. it's just fun for him. Yeah, it's good stuff. Rob, what did you have? What do you think is going to happen here? Cody wins, and it, right after he gets his hand raised, there's going to be a big farm boy standing behind him that's going to beat the crap out of him again. Uh, yeah, we are now. This could be um, it. Because well he's 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 been advertised for Raw the following Monday so oh. <laughs> yeah WWE's the worst at spoiling their own shit sometimes I, mean, I don't complain about them often but they are terrible at foreshadowing yeah, sometimes yes there are times where they yeah that's true. 
They hey, phone it right in and shove it in your face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like, I mean, I, yeah, I get it. You want to sell a couple of extra tickets, but you know, I mean, <laughs> come on, guys, at least try. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. So look, either, either Saturday right. or Monday, Cody's gonna get, Cody's getting the crap beat out of him. <laughs> he getting taken to the woodshed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll do it. All right, so next up we have, I'm um, going to go to the World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, that is uh, one Seth Rollins defending his championship against Finn Balor. Uh, I personally don't, I mean, I'd be mildly shocked if they took it off Seth this quickly, but I also wouldn't be, especially with the Money in the Bank briefcase in play, because I think that's the, I think that's the ultimate play, because as I said earlier, I think Damien's going to win. So maybe you rip that old Band-Aid off in one night, but I doubt it. Um, I don't know. I see... Yeah, I'm going to... I think Seth's just going to win this, um, and it's just going to further the divide with uh, Priest and uh, Finn. They're just going to somehow fight about the briefcase, or like maybe... I don't know. It's going to be odd, but... Yeah, Seth, Seth losing the title at this point would be kind of silly. Rob, what do you got here? Yeah, I think Seth wins this. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do a rematch and Balor beats him at SummerSlam or something. But, well, I think this this is going to continue going one way or another. Yeah. Uh, I think Seth will retain the title, but I think this is going to keep going because you got if Well, I mean, win it at SummerSlam. Yeah, but if, I mean, if Priest does win the briefcase, then you, you got to have you know, some type of three-way tension going on. Yeah. So this well, is going I didn't to, even think of that, but that's yeah, so, poetic because so, so it's going seen the crime. So it's going to continue. Um, yep. So I, so I don't know what the actual, who's going to win the match, but Seth is going to still be champion after the match is over. Yeah. yeah. This is my fuck finish match of the night for all those reasons. Huh. This, man, this, this feud doesn't end Saturday night. Well, and as the internet has pointed out, Seth Rollins has defended his title like five times already. So, you know. Yeah, every the, week we have, since he, if since we he became champ. If we have a finish now, it's not that big a deal because you've had a bunch of clean ones, right? So I don't want to hear any complaining. No, of course they won't complain. Oh, Ever. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we all think there's some sort of shenanigans involved here. But So let's move on to the tag to uh, – Tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, uh, which is held by the champions Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, and they are being challenged by the newly reunited Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, I mean, I don't see any particular reason to take it off Shayna and uh, Ronda unless you want to start doing the Shayna versus Ronda thing. Um, and maybe we do do that SummerSlam, but I think this is pretty safe for Shayna and Ronda. I think we keep that train going a little while longer. DJ. Uh, I guess, again, I agree with you. It'll, this, the outcome of this will depend on what the plan is for SummerSlam. If the plan is Ronda versus Shayna at SummerSlam, then they're absolutely losing. If not, I look for, uh, Liv and Raquel to lose and Raquel to turn on Liv. There you go. All right, Rob. Choke her out, Shannon. 
Choke her out real Jesus good. Jesus Christ. You, why, why, why do you hate Raquel so much? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, Here, Poor um, Liv Morgan. Right. She can't catch a break with Rob. No, no. See, this is, see, now, see, you set me up for this stuff now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play along. I'm gonna play right into it. Okay. <laughs> so who do you got here? You think Liv's? You um, think I dangled the carrot again? <laughs> okay. Um, Shane, look, Shane and Ronda should win. Look, this is the thing Ronda has wanted to do since she came back. Okay. If they pull the rug out from under them this soon, then they deserve. You know, she should leave and go straight to whatever movie set she's due on next. Yeah. And. Shayna should go to root beer land. Okay. And okay. Um, so yeah, yeah you can't. With SummerSlam. No, they, no, no, they should have a, okay. So that means then your, then your women's tag team division is done basically because yeah, true. It, it exists. It's been revived largely. People may not want to believe this, but it's been revived largely because Rhonda put her foot down about finally getting to do this. Okay? Right. And well, so and I, I don't think right now, this close to SummerSlam, there's no money in Ronda versus Shayna right now. I think Shayna's kind of her, whatever cachet and whatever stock she built up in NXT and, and in that early few year or so of, of her main roster run has kind of diminished a bit. And, and if that is your money match, there's no money in it right now. There's not enough money in it right now, I should say. Not to make it a SummerSlam match. No. So they should look. Um they should have a good long run as tag team champions. They should be to get that division firmly reestablished. And then you can do the Shane and Ronda match. And then when Ronda needs a new partner, welcome back, Nia Jax. <laughs> there you go. Because <clears throat> they were actually go. a very good entertaining tag team, people. They were. Okay. They were. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> all right. I think we have Ronda and Shane. I think this yeah. live in. Yeah, Mikhail we're unanimous on that one. That's a. Uh, this reunification of Liv and R- Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez might be a short-term thing. So, uh, next up, we have the Intercontinental Champion, Gunther, defending against Matt Riddle. I mean, I don't, I see no, how close are we to breaking the honky-tonks, man? We got to make it past SummerSlam. Uh, close enough where, Okay, yeah, so we're at, so basically, guys, we're at, 19 bottles of beer on the wall, 19 bottles of beer, take one down, pass it around, Gunther's still the Intercontinental Champion, yay! All right, you're at 19 bottles of beer. We started at 99. We're getting to zero. So uh, I think uh, this will be a very fun, and I have to imagine this is a rematch from the Indies, right? They had had a three-match series in Progress Wrestling. Okay. And how did that go, Rob? Um, well, I saw two, one caption, uh, Riddle had the belt on his shoulder. I think, and then by the third match, the, the picture had, uh, Gunther had the belt on his shoulder. So, <laughs> go. all right. Well, I think that's how this one's going to end too. How about you, DJ? Yeah, I think there's no reason to, to derail the Gunther train right now. The guy's on fire. He's, he's building, he's building some very important stock right now. And, you know, Riddle, I like Riddle as a wrestler, uh, but I still think, uh, I think there's some dust to shake off of that guy right now. I don't think we're ready to put him back in any title picture yet. Yeah, and uh, I'm, here's, my, here's my prediction of who beats Gunther. Who? McIntyre. You think Drew McIntyre? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Oh. I like that. I like that. Braun. 
Ooh. I love that. I love that so much for a whole bunch of different reasons. Anyway, um, so let's see here. Who else do we have? So I did um, jump around a little bit with the list I'm on because we also skipped over. I didn't want to do them back to back at the very beginning. We have the women's money in the bank ladder match for a women's championship match contract. Uh, so we have in the ladder match, Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Io Sky, and Trish Stratus. So, I mean, it's all about who you can see walking around with the contract. To me, that's what I always go with first. Like, okay, who could make that contract entertaining for six months? Like, maybe the plan is to, you know, cash it in that night again for the billion times. Six months? Yeah. You think the winner's going to have it for six Dude, months? Dude, they can't get past 60 minutes. You right. Well, that, that's you what really I'm saying. Think the okay. going to have it for six months. Yes, I think he's they so have hopeful. To. Look at him. No, Rob, I think they have to at this point. They have to do. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, okay. Do they just not trust the women enough? Can the women not handle it? I don't know. What's What's the problem? Well, I think you, like, I think you answered your own question there, sir. Yeah. Well, there you go. But fine, we'll get some same night cash in. I'm hopeful. I, in all no, it won't be same. It won't be same. It won't be same night. Be it's the, just not going six months. It, that's all. Maybe, but I, I'm like hoping we get like three. You know, get a decent quarter out of it or something like that. Let that girl really stretch her legs. But in any case, Zelina Vega, can I see her with the contract? Sure, maybe. Can't see her really cashing it in. Becky Lynch is probably the leader in the clubhouse. Zoe Stark, uh, keep on cooking. You're doing just fine. Bailey gets more out of losing it, and uh, I don't know. Trish doesn't need it. So EO gets a ton out of winning it over Bailey, and Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch, and she can turn on the man and the whatever at any given moment and become a superstar. So if I was a betting man, I would probably put my money on Becky Lynch because they're still kind of, she's still kind of. I don't know, not finding your footing, but I think this would be a, gl- a great way to firmly reassert her as a main event play main character. So uh, I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. Rob? Um, okay, so I don't think anybody from SmackDown is going to win it because then you got to insert them into what there's already a three-woman title feud going on. And... You know, unless they're going to well, fail. Well, I believe, the can the briefcase holder cross brands? That's my understanding, because you can go for any championship you want, which would, in, on the men's side, include the U.S. and or Intercontinental, Intercontinental which are both represented on opposite brands. Well, so you're going you're, you're gonna to turn me into the integrity of the brand split guy? Yes, right. You're the brand split no. police, buddy. Okay. <laughs> God bless. Okay. God bless the brand stuff. I wouldn't uh, want that job. Okay. God but, bless um, the brand. Brand split. Ugh, brand split police. I promise I can talk tonight. Oh my god. I mean, I guess. I mean, Bailey or EO could get it, and then the other one screws up the cash in for them. You know, that could that could happen. Um, and also I could see, I could see Becky winning it, and then Trish and Zoe, you know, foil the cash in. I could see Trish winning it and Becky foiling the cash in. Um, Why is, um, what is with you and foiling cash ins? How about? Because I, th- well, I think this is the year for it to happen. Successfully cash in. 
I think it was he's still he still got PTSD from the last cash in. Look, 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 okay. Yeah, seriously. All right, look, no, I think yeah, uh, it, no. it's gonna be great. I think this is gonna be an awesome year that they could they could have somebody lose the cash in. That would be great. <laughs> and you know what? You know what should should they should lose to? You know, just you, the the women's champion Charlotte Flair. Here it comes. Go ahead, Rob. Get it no, out. No, see, no. Jesus Christ. I'm, and so no, she I'm, can have the first defense of a cash in too. Yep. All right. <laughs> anyway. anyway, he needs more. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. She deserves better from you people. Okay. <laughs> but um, that, that agreed on. Obviously, this this show stands stands behind Charlie <laughs> Flair. Um, no, but no. I mean, all all jokes aside, I think this could very well be the year that you get a fail because look, I don't think they want to take the belt off of Rhea. Anytime for at least not right now. Um, and then there's just there are multiple ways to have a failed cash in play into existing storylines. All right, Rob. So, Rob the genius, number guy. Yes. How many how many women's money in the bank cash ins have there been? Okay. 6 all right. And if this will be the seventh. Yes. If that is a failure, what success rate does the women's money in the bank briefcase have? Six out of seven, 85%. Jesus, that's fast. I was still that's, trying to add. That's right on the line of next year when you run the graphic package. That's right on the line, and it's right where the men are too, by the way. It's right on the line of like, oh, is it that impressive? Because let's be honest, it was a lot cooler and a lot. It was different when it was more of a sure thing. So um, I think I don't I don't I don't know if you want to take that woman that air out of the balloon yet. Um. Well, it's it's year number seven though, right? If it was yeah. like if it was if it was year number two, then of course not. But. I think now, if they're going to do it, I think this is just the way things are set up. This is the year to do it because, again, you have multiple scenarios in which it could be foiled, right? Um, like I said, Becky could win it, and then Trish and Zoe stop her. Trish can win it, Becky stops her. EO or Bailey wins it, and the other one screws it up for them, right? Um, so you got multiple scenarios in which the, the cash-in could fail, and it, and it would actually make sense and fit in with stories right it yeah. wouldn't be like that like, it wouldn't be like that lunacy with baron corbin where you know well, well i forgot but you know they wouldn't but it, you know it so i think this is the year to do it because i, I just think it is because otherwise you know you're taking the belt off of Rhea before they want to or you're injecting a fourth woman into a, what's already a three-woman title feud um you know i so I just I think this this is the year I think to, that it did it get did it fails and I think it'll so who's gonna win? Um, God, one of the four that I named, you know, Trish, Becky, EO, or Bailey. And probably not Bailey. Bailey already won it, so it's not, she's not gonna win. Too. All right, give give me a favorite. Yes. Give me a favorite. Come on. Becky. All right, thank you, DJ. Uh, I'm gonna check Becky. Bailey and Zoe Stark right off the list. 
Becky doesn't need it. Bailey stands to gain more by not winning. And Zoe Stark's just not ready yet. That leaves us with Trish Zelina and Io Sky. Uh, I will point I will point to the Brock Lesnar corollary for uh Becky Lynch. Doesn't need it, but would be goddamn hilarious with it. Oh, absolutely. And um, make, make entertainment. As a sentimental favorite, I want Zelina Vega realistically as a storyline prop. I'm thinking it's going to be Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Explain yourself. I Just because there's a big thing going on with her and Becky. I think the end of it is going to come down to her and Becky. I think Zoe Stark is going to screw Becky. Trish is going to win. And that's going to continue. We, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Becky and Trish. Or, yeah, Becky and Trish. Can we stretch this out until SummerSlam? Rob didn't think, seem to think we could. Now we can. If you put the money in, if you give Trish the money in the bank briefcase, now you've just injected that story with something that these two can fight about for the rest of the summer. No, no, no. Remember, I, I said that before Zoe Stark got involved in all of that. Right, right. Like, I did not think yep. that you could just have them go straight up for three months. Right. And now we've got some moving parts and pieces in this. Got some buffer. Right. So now, now we absolutely can stretch this out to SummerSlam. Yeah, and, and well, they got to have another match, so that's where you're going to have it. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, realistically, I mean, it's not crazy to think that they wouldn't put Trish Stratus in a ladder match at this point and have and have her not win. Right. 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 I mean. There you go. Yeah. Um, so. All right. What's next? So that would bring us to our main event of the evening. I'm just double scanning because I skipped around a little bit on the list. I uh, I had. We had all the things that you could consider main events right at the very top, so I wasn't going to blow through those. Uh, but in any case, what I believe will be the main event of the evening, <coughs> we have the Bloodline, which is Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, facing off against <laughs> a bunch of no-good, traitorous, evil, bastard, evil, traitorous, twins. Jimmy and Jay Uso. So we have the Bloodline Civil War, gentlemen, and we are kicking things off with this uh, f- uh, tag team match. I think this is going to be fun. This is going to be brutal. This is going to be deadly. And I think Solo Sokoa is going to eat the pin, and we're going to keep this thing going. Because... Um, just from the, I mean, maybe they'll, I'll change my mind yet again. And I haven't changed my mind, but I be with, we've all known the Bloodline Civil War has been coming, but now seeing it in action and seeing the execution and seeing Jay and Jimmy get the payoff to their years long story, I have now not changed, but I have softened my opinion of the idea of Jay Uso getting a pin on Roman Reigns. In, in some form or fashion, not for the Universal Championship, but they've made—they're starting to get this story to the point where they've earned it. So maybe, but regardless, I think this is just going to be solo win. Solo eats the pin, you know, through some chicanery, and there we go. We got this going, and then Roman's going to keep yelling at Solo, and we're just going to keep this this train going. Um, cause I think the money is in this for a little while at least. Um, but DJ, what do you think here with bloodline civil war? My prediction, 
Pain. <laughs> there you go. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, no, I'm not even going to hazard a guess on this one because I honestly have no idea. Like, part of me wants to think that nothing gets resolved Saturday night um, because there's more story to tell, so I don't think you get a clean win either way. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I'm sorry. Roman pinning Jey Uso in the middle of the ring at the end of this match would be hilarious. Um, you could still keep the story going. You could. You could just because the Usos are stubborn assholes. Um, but it would be funny. Uh, Rob, what do you got here for the main event? I have no idea. I mean, isn't that um, great? That's awesome. That's part of why I, really I don't, don't even want to hazard like, a guess. That's that's my guess and that's my prediction. But I'm with you, DJ. I see everything except Roman eating a pin. That's it. That's the only yeah, thing I, I can tell you is not gonna happen. Yeah, like I might can see. we get there by some by some member of this match pins him in the next six to eight, like three to eight to six months. Sure, maybe I'm starting to warm to the idea, but no, it doesn't happen on on Sunday. No, it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, so I I have no idea. Um, it could be a double disqualification. It could be a double knockout. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, another Anawai could come out of the woodwork and tip the scales. Yeah, um, or who knows? I mean, we're gonna really get crazy. Um, you go hire a Tama Tonga and Tonga Lord to, to make the jump <laughs> over and be like the hitman for Roman on Jimmy and Jay, or um, you know, um, that's a great way to just slap dash. Hey, here's a dream match everyone's always always wanted. Yeah, and then and then, then we got to get the six man with. Tama and Tonga with Haku against Jimmy J and Rikishi. We got we got to get that. Meanwhile, Rikishi's gonna be watching at home, looking at his old lady, going, "We got to make some more kids." Oh, look, no, look, Rikishi's gonna tweet about twenty times during that match. Okay, <laughs> trying to get himself, trying to, by the way, trying to get himself booked for TV. <laughs> <laughs> Rikishi has been as awesome a part of this <laughs> in the periphery as anybody could be. Yeah. So speaking of Civil War, it's like a big comic book main event. It's like Civil War issues one through seven. But you have to have, you know, read the side Captain America Civil War and Iron Man Civil War or whatever. This like Rikishi's stuff is like image. If image put out Civil War in the same month uh, while while uh, while that was going on with Marvel, it's been truly beautiful what he's doing. <laughs> So check out his timeline. But yeah, that wraps up the uh, the Bloodline Civil War, which wraps up Money in the Bank. Yeah, so, so. I, think that, I think the only thing we can guarantee is that there will be more Anawahi family members getting involved in some form at, of fashion. At some point in time this. or another. Yeah. Yes, I absolutely agree. All right. Well, I think we can call the go home there, guys, unless anybody has any other parting shots. Well, I, I did want to get, we'll get one. If we if, if oh. like, we one more shot in at the um at our, our buddy Dave Meltzer. Oh, go for it, go for it. Any any shot we can take it, Dave. I'm I'm here for that. Because you know, uh, before the AEW Collision show debuted, Dave was reporting that tensions were at an all time high and, and all this. And then after the episode, you know, it, which was very well received, um, he was still going on and on about, oh well, somebody at uh, Dynamite went home unhappy because Punk was there. Um, and now. A couple of days ago, now it's like, oh well, it looks like everything's gonna be, you know, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna work out. So, 
he was in a couple of days he went from you know they're going to kill each other to looks like it's back to be in it's wrestling utopia again or everything's going to be okay not 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 Mm -hmm. utopia but everything's going to be okay and basically i take that as meaning that the, the people who've been leaking to him trying to make this thing go south their thing didn't work so now he has to just kind of eat it and eat it dave um you know um because see see i'm looking and this is say i'm i'm siding with chicago phil okay. yeah that's the part of this thing with Meltzer that pisses me off the most is that i'm siding with punk because <clears throat> Meltzer and whoever is leaking to him there have been trying to undermine you know punk coming back to work like almost every time you hear that, oh well, he's close to coming back. You know, Dave has some report about how, you know, the well has been poisoned, right? Um, I'd have and, to buy that person a bunt cake. Yeah. yeah and meanwhile, just, Dave's the one holding the poison vial. Yes. And Shack ass. And so Dave, you know, Dave, you know, you you have you, again, you have me siding with Chicago Phil, and that is just that just is disgusting. I hate it. I hate that for us. Well, I hate that for Chicago you. Chicago Phil's disgusting. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, you have been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network. I want to invite you real quick before we get out of here to go to the ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chair Shot. From there, you can pick up your very own Mindless Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Pick one of those up. Pick it up in soft style. We will thank you. Your skin will thank you. Going to wrap around the room here again and say goodnight and thank you to my co-host, starting with the from the Rob the Genius podcast. Mr. Rob, good show tonight, sir. Yes, and uh, Charlotte, we're pulling for you Friday, but if it doesn't work out, you know, we're here for you. That uh, Oscar, I'm Team Oscar. I'm Team Oscar. But sorry, Rob, I'm Team Oscar. I got to go Oscar. <laughs> and Bucky, Bucky's tag team partner back from assignment this week. Jason, glad to have you back. It's always good to be back, my friends. Thank you very much for this. This is always fun. All right. This has been the Money in the Bank kickoff show from the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am DJ. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out of here till next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.